Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. I am joined today by the guys from Evidence-Based Movement. They are um, an Instagram page that I found, uh, I don't even know how long ago, but I, I like flipping through their content. They break down uh, scientific articles related to exercise science, movement, and um, muscle uh, anatomy. And it just kind of dawned on me one day, like, how about getting these guys on the podcast? So, so uh, Madison, Mike, and Micah from Evidence-Based Movement are all here today, which I, I said this before we jumped on the line. This is the first four-person uh, fitness scanner podcast. So uh, I'll send you guys a medal in the mail after this. I appreciate you guys hopping on. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So tell us a little more about yourself. Kind of go down the line and tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, why evidence-based movement is is important for people to to pay attention to. All right, so I guess I'll start this conversation off. My name's um, Madison Frannick. I did my undergrad at the University of South Florida and uh, majored in exercise science. Um, yeah, right now we're, we're all just second-year DPT students, and uh, my, my particular interest right now is kind of more in the orthopedics and kind of sports realm. Um, have a real passion for kind of the high school athlete and, and trying to see if there are any ways to kind of mitigate or prevent injuries in that, that certain population. Um, these guys kind of give me a hard time, but I'm also a, a big advocate for blood flow restriction training. Okay. Um, I know there is uh, a lot of research on it right now and it's kind of progressing a lot, but that, that's another one of my interests. Um, I got into this whole idea with, with EVM and evidence-based movement just because uh, a lot of our, a lot of our professors in graduate school um, were really trying to, I guess, you know, give us give us just classes and whatnot to to take the evidence and um, just I guess try to like break it down and whatnot. And um, I had done a um, I had done like a like a small review for the the sports section in the American Physical Therapy Association. Um, and just kind of really enjoyed that and thought like it was something that I wanted to, to do more on a regular basis. So, um, after kind of doing that and, you know, kind of knowing the interest of some of my classmates, you know, I kind of reached out to them one day and, you know, that's kind of how this whole thing got started. It was just, just a way to, to take research and, and really simplify it and, and make it digestible to kind of the general population. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That I remember when, you know, being a grad student myself and even an undergrad, they, you know, they give you these articles to research and to, to read and to pick out and to write like a little synopsis. And you're kind of staring at these things, especially as a student, you're like, what, what am I looking at? Right. So that's, I mean, that's what really stuck out to me the most. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so I went to school originally for, uh, wellness science. Uh, and I really wanted to be a personal trainer when I first started out. Um, but I quickly realized that I really love the, the medical aspect of everything. Um, so I found athletic training, uh, 
and I ended up finishing and getting a physical education degree in wellness and concentrated in wellness science for my uh, first institution. Uh, but then I pursued an athletic training degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I finished that, I had an opportunity to do some great internships with uh, some professional sports teams. And uh, one day I was just sitting there talking to one of the PTs um, with the 49ers and he got me started on uh, potentially going to PT school. And just my goal was to stay there. So he told me that the best way to do that was to go to PT school. Um, so sure enough, a uh, year later, I'm going to school and getting immersed in a whole new education system. And Maddie approached me about doing this EBM idea, and I loved it, um, especially since athletic training. They have uh, a lot of their continuing education. You have to have a certain number of evidence-based practice units. So there's a big push there. And then also being uh, in school right now, there's a big push for evidence-based movement, uh, or not evidence-based movement, but (laughs) evidence-based. Always plugging away, aren't we? Uh, Right. (laughs) uh, But uh, this evidence-based practice is really important. Uh, But I think like one of the biggest things that our teachers have said is takes seven years for an article to, after it's published, to really be seen Oh, use commonly in practice. Right. So I think we really want to like expedite that process and we try and take articles that are within six months of publication and find out how we can apply them because the research out there can be really confusing. Uh, I know we've sat down and looked at some articles and had to have big discussions on what the heck are we even looking at here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, but if somebody else wanted to apply that, how are they going to do it? Uh, and I think that's what we've really tried to do with uh, this Instagram page is simplify it, make it something that everyone can understand, and then give it a, a practical application standpoint. Because a lot of times what these articles are giving you may not be practical. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, you know, you're putting it on a platform that isn't just a, you know, the research is already there. You're just making it, the research more viewable, visible, and digestible. Because not only do you have to, does a person have to find the article, but then you have to try to understand it. And then there's going to be another article that might contradict something. So then you have to go research that part of it. So there's all of this cluster, like you said, I'm surprised it's, you know, only seven years for something to take traction, especially now. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, seven years might be, it might seem like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, you know, 10 plus years for something to get found and really be applied. So uh, that's awesome. Micah, tell us uh, how you fit into this equation. Yeah, so uh, just to give you a little bit of background on uh, who I am and where I come from. Uh, I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, was raised there my whole life. Uh, soon decided to go to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, which is uh, actually came in um, wanting to be an orthopedic surgeon originally. Um, but uh, kind of halfway through college, I realized that working more hands-on with patients is what I wanted rather than uh, having them be asleep on the table. Uh, while I cut into them. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I ended up switching routes from pre-med and switching to um, an exercise science degree. And then towards the end of college, I kind of decided to supplement that and pick up a minor in neuroscience as well, uh, which to me kind of uh, really began the the scientific journey in my mind of of really uh, how complex clinical practice and and the human body really is. Um, And it really just 
sparked sparked a, a passion in me that um, really connected with physical therapy. Um, so yeah, I ended up you know coming to uh, Duke University to uh, get my doctorate in physical therapy, and that's where I uh, ended up connecting with with Maddie and Mike. And um, yeah, Maddie just approached me one day. We uh, we actually all three of us are on the same uh, capstone team. Um, for our capstone project here in, in school, and so um, we were able to connect, and you know, Maddie approached Mike and I, and uh, and I really liked the idea that he presented to us, and um, a big a big professional goal of mine was to really be able to integrate as a clinician um, evidence based practice, and you know, the three pillars with, of that. Um, however, at the same time if the only thing that we did as clinicians were the only things that have like the best evidence in the world, we'd really be kind of be handcuffed as clinicians. Right. So, you know, kind of begin to realize that practicing as an evidence-based clinician really is kind of a, an artful dance in a way between, you know, engaging in the literature and in the science. Um, but at the same time, not really handcuffing yourself, um, with only like level one evidence type interventions. Um, but yeah, just really being able to you know dive into the research. Um, I know initially it, uh, you know, we were kind of in the same boat as probably the majority of PT students and strength coaches and everything else out there is that, you know, it's it's kind of a little daunting at first when you start diving into this stuff and you know spend 30, 45 minutes to an hour reading one article and then you don't even really get much out of it. Right. Exactly. How am I supposed to keep up with all of this literature while? You know, I mean, while we're in school, all the work we have, but then, you know, even as we become clinicians and head out into our jobs, potential residencies, whatever it may be, to be able to, you know, keep up on all this literature while maintaining all the other responsibilities that we have in our lives. Um, but the more we started diving into it, it, it kind of began to unfold in a way where it was, you know, we kind of picked up on those skills and we're able to use each other as resources, especially to, you know, take these articles and, you know, put them out in a way that, like you said, it's easily digestible to, a, you know, a wide variety of professions, whether it's physical therapists, personal trainers, chiropractors, strength and, strength and conditioning coaches, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a really rewarding process. Yeah, it sounds like it. And you guys are doing a great job. That's interesting, uh, Micah, that you mentioned neuroscience, because I feel like that is, has starting to uh, become more and more prevalent uh, with the, the physical side of things. So maybe we can dive into a little bit of that later, but I, I feel like I'm starting to see more and more of that related to specifically like young athletes into like the collegiate programs that I'm sure the, um, the, the pros definitely. So I think with, with, you know, everything that you guys have are, are doing and have done in your backgrounds, I just have a, a question. Maybe all of you can kind of give your own, um, input, but do you think that one of the reasons why your your page has got so much traction and, and is doing so well and is, is I mean it's it's a really well put together page first of all like it's not super scat like if you go to mine mine's just kind of scattered like I put <laughs> just a bunch of random stuff up there but yours yours has a great flow to it uh, breakdown of of muscle activation and the exercise and then what the the uh, article actually says and and the training behind it but do you think that that articles are so difficult to, to attach to for strength coaches or let's just take, you know, physical therapists, for instance, do you think that they, they search through all of this evidence and they find like one that they really stick to and they don't even bother to go back and look at, um, maybe other articles related to that? Do you think that's just across the board that happens 
Or do you think it's um, the opposite of that where people tend to try almost too much? They go through too much research. Uh, I think so. it depends. <laughs> uh, that's the answer we hate hearing uh, as students. But uh, <laughs> I think it depends on the yeah. clinician coach. Uh, some people may see this great article and have it be the end-all, be-all. Right. But you, if you don't dive into how they perform that study and why they're doing it, you could miss that it actually wasn't that great of study. Uh, and I think like one of, uh, like a good example, actually, um, one of the special tests we learned for the shoulder to assess if anything's damaged was originally called the O'Brien test. And it was this, supposed to be this great test that was extremely sensitive and specific. It could pick up multiple things going on in the shoulder. But then when you actually went back and looked at the study, it was very poorly done. And the guy actually ended up taking his name off the test because it was that poorly done. And I think that's something that when I was going through athletic training school, that's what we learned it as. We learned it as this great test. Uh, lo and behold, I get to PT school and it's the exact opposite. And I think you get those people who can jump on and hold on to something because of this one study. But if you aren't reassessing all the literature out there, you're missing the point. Yeah. Uh, and that can actually take some time because if there is a novel idea out there, how do you, how does that one article then uh, become a framework for everything else? Uh, so I don't know what your guys' opinion is, but I think it's definitely a variable response. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to the individual clinician or personal trainer or whatever it may be, their, their personality. And, you know, I think we all know people where, you know, they have a certain belief, whatever it may be, and, you know, they, they cling to that for dear life. And then there's other people that kind of are a little bit more open-minded and, and kind of willing to, to hear different points of view. And so I think those are two, almost two, you know, paths that equally can kind of um, kind of lead you down, lead you astray. Uh, but I think it's what's important is kind of kind of take the middle road. is not getting, you know, completely lost in all these articles and all this literature um, and at the same token, not, you know, just finding one article that you view as good and, and just like, you know, plug in your ears to everything else that you hear. Um, so, and I, I think another aspect of it too is, you know, we're, we were warned a lot in our, you know, by our professors, you know, don't, whenever a study comes out and makes some bold claim or some huge effect size on, you know, some intervention, you know, be a little skeptical, um, and, and look a little bit further into it and not, you know, adopt something as don't be, you know, an early adopter to, you know, whatever it may be, but, you know, maintain that critical eye, um, throughout the process while not being just constantly skeptical of everything at the same time. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Anything else? There's only two out of three. Are we good? Yeah, I, I mimic what exactly these okay. guys have said. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, all that, all that makes sense. Like you said, uh, both of you said they, uh, you know, everybody knows somebody in the industry who will just hang on to one thing. And I, you know, I'm a hundred percent, um, guilty of that. There are some things that I just cling to and, uh, it takes me a long time to let go of. But, uh, I think, you know, going back to the, the O'Brien test that you mentioned, one thing that kind of popped into my head was, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Eric Cressy, um, sports performance coach specifically he's known as like the shoulder guy but um so he just recently came out with something kind of pushing away from something called the sleeper stretch 
and and that's basically something that he's been preaching for, you know, however long that I've known, you know, reading, reading him to 10 plus years. And people kind of freak out about that when they, when they see somebody who's been devout to one kind of practice or one kind of movement or exercise or pattern. And then they come back a certain amount of time later, they revisit it and they tell people, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And people think that, oh, we can't follow him anymore because he came back, he went back on something that, that he originally, you know, basically deemed as gospel. But it's like if, if we don't if we don't go back and and look at different things that we've been taught, look different things that we teach people, and use that critical eye that you mentioned, then I mean, there, it's kind of like the it's, you're almost saying like the learning process needs to stop somewhere, and that's that's completely untrue. Obviously, we all know that. Um, also, I like to point out that you know if we're not constantly looking at things that we're doing, then are we really being a benefit to the people that we're working with? I mean, it's okay for us to go back and be critical with new data, new information, and then relay that new information and make changes. That's the only way we adapt and grow. And I'm, I'm sure all of you can attest to that. No, that, I think that's a great point. You know, as clinicians uh, and as just good scientists, you know, we're, it's important to keep in mind, like we're not politicians. Like we can change our minds based off of differing evidence and that doesn't take away from our credibility. You know, I mean, new evidence presents itself consistently. Right. And, you know, to think that, you know, oh, well, I, I've held this stance for so many years and now, like, you know, there's some research coming out that, you know, maybe contradicts that. I don't think that you you should fear losing that credibility because of, you know, changing your mind on a certain point. And so I think that's a, that's a great point that you make. Yeah. I also think ultimately you have to do what's best for your client. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to is getting results and making a change. Uh, yeah, whether I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> like that that's ultimately what we're going after right i right. And we always do want uh the evidence to support it uh but sometimes the evidence just isn't there yet and i think if like i know you're talking about the sleeper stretch with eric cressy if you go back 10 15 years sleeper stretch was the stretch like that's what everyone was doing and right. remember there was this uh big article um that was actually done on like the houston astros and their uh farm league where they measured uh, internal rotation and then had people do sleeper stretches and tracked them throughout the season and they ended up having fairly good results. So it, it's one of those things where, yeah, the evidence right then said it's a great thing, but the more and more we researched it, we found out that it's not as effective. Right. So I, I think that's just giving the, uh, the, the researchers time to make a counterpoint to um, a point or to a dogma that's already been created and, uh, you'll often see this with a lot of things, but it's almost like a pendulum swinging back and forth where people will be either extreme one way and extreme the other. And as the research comes and goes, you act, you, know, you get swung back and forth. But really, sometimes just being somewhere in the middle and truly understanding what's going on with the body is the best way to, to handle it. Definitely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So I kind of want to go back to uh, your page specifically because I mentioned about how you guys have it laid out. Um, and for those people who maybe out there probably, you know, they're listening on their phones and they have Instagram right there. What could you explain how this is laid out and the flow of it and and why that's important and and um, maybe uh, maybe a little more in depth about um, why it's set up that way? Yeah. So from the from the get go, we wanted to create kind of a system that would, I guess, distinguish us from every other page. 
Um, a lot of the pages that, you know, we, I guess, have gotten, like, a lot of motivation from, like, we'll kind of go on there, and there's not really, like, a, a theme or, like, a weekly series going on. Like, sometimes there are, but for the most part, it's a, it's very sporadic in, in the terms of, I guess, the way it's set up. So we wanted to create a system where you go on our page, you see it, and then that's one of the things that really hits you and kind of brings you back to kind of follow us, because you're like, all right, Monday, you know, we're getting an anatomy picture to kind of get a preview for the week. Wednesday, you're getting a review of the entire research and, and kind of getting into discussion kind of what our interpretation is of it. And then Friday, you come back and you see, like Mike was saying earlier, um, a video of how kind of that's applicable in real life. So we wanted to create um, a three-way system so that when you went on Instagram, because of the way it's laid out with the three pictures, that it was very easy to read and very easy to follow. Um, and we thought that it was very, I guess, beneficial to us as well. Like Michael was saying earlier, you know, with all the other responsibilities that we have with school and, and just with life in general, we thought that, you know, three posts per week was um, definitely enough for us. And yeah, like a lot of people have said, you know, you guys should try to push this for, you know, six or seven days a week. But honestly, we've, yeah. we felt that, you know, we have grown tremendously with only having three posts per week. And, you know, we're, we're humbled to, to be at the point where we're at. Like, honestly, um, we didn't expect to be in the position that we're in. And, um, you know, with the success that we've had, we're just going to continue to go with kind of this three posts per week model because we, we feel it's, it's very, uh, it's very helpful. And, and honestly, like in the, in the grand scheme of things, one of the things that we talked about initially was kind of sustainability. And we, we wanted it to be something that, you know, we didn't just kind of uh, work with and, and kind of let it die within like a year or two of creating it. But we wanted to, you know, have this um, Instagram page be something that, you know, when we're all, you know, done with school and we're all scattered in kind of different parts of the country, we wanted to use it as an opportunity to keep us connected. Oh, and yeah. so, so sustainability was something that was definitely important to us in, in just thinking kind of like the big picture and in, in the long term. And Again, just going back to the three posts a week, we thought that that was something that we could definitely keep up with, and you know, so far it, it's it's been good for us to handle. So, yeah, I think so too. That that three posts a week thing is, I think, one of the big things that that makes it so successful and easy to to look at. And going back to like the when somebody says, you know, make it six posts per week, or you know, as much as you want, don't you think that would be kind of like having to deal with searching through a bunch of papers? Like that, that's almost yeah. the exact opposite of what what you guys are trying to accomplish. You might as well just go and read 15 uh, papers and try to figure it out on your own rather than getting the small doses and really, really, really absorbing it. So man, three, yeah, three, three posts per week. You guys are seriously knocking it out of the park, I think. And, and just the flow, the professionalism, the whole nine yards. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that you guys, you guys know what you're doing. It seems like. <laughs> no, we appreciate it. I mean, one of the things that I kind of preach to Mike and Mike, and then we have a, we have a fourth guy, Chris Guy, who's down back in Florida still working with us. Um, you know, one of the guy, one of the things I say constantly with these guys is I'm very just appreciative and humbled to have them because um, there's no way that I could honestly be able to do this on my own. And the fact that we have kind of rotating authors model, it, it just really helps us out tremendously. You know, where I'm able to go, you know, during the first week of the month or Mike or whatever, and then we just kind of go through that systematically. Um, so just kind of having them kind of going through this process has, has been a blessing in disguise. So, yeah. And I, you know, just to piggyback off of that, I can't tell you how much that I've personally learned, not just from, you know, re reviewing my own articles, but just every week I get on and I'm on the weeks that I'm not writing. I'm, 
I digest this stuff just like any other person on Instagram does. You know, I, I get to watch these guys' videos, see their interpretation of their data. You know, some, a lot of times we bounce ideas off each other, but, you know, sometimes I'll come to Maddie and maybe not Mike or, you know, vice versa. And, and so, you know, just personally being able to keep up with our own page because, you know, it's only every four weeks that I'm putting up content. Um, I can't tell you how beneficial that's been for my own, you know, professional and clinical development. Um, so, I, you know, that's the thing is we, we, we consume our own product, you know, yep. and um, I think that it's been a really great model that's worked well for us. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. Madison, I think you kind of mentioned the, uh, the inspiration for uh, the setup. What are your, what are some of your guys' inspirations? Who do you guys follow that, that kind of inspire you to, to do what you do and to, to post as you do? So uh, prior to this page even getting started, um, one of the guys that we regularly kind of keep in contact with are the prehab guys. Out oh, yeah, definitely. California. Um, so we actually got the chance, all three of us. Mike, did you? I didn't get so, so Mike didn't get the chance, but Mike and I both got the chance to go out um, in, in February in San Antonio. We got to meet up with him and, and kind of talk to him in person. But they've been kind of a, a real inspiration in terms of, uh, I guess, being a DPT student and really taking on just the extracurricular just because, um, you know, back when I started following them, I think they had, this on my personal account, they had probably around like, 15 or kind of 20,000 followers and you know that's where it kind of hit me like you know these kids are doing it and they're in school like why can't why can't I put a team together with the guys that we have here on the east coast and and kind of do not the same thing but have Instagram page and, and kind of do that um so that was kind of the first inspiration the other the other one in, in terms of really pushing me towards the evidence-based and kind of research point was um, a guy by the name of Chris Beardsley do you know who that is no, I don't think I've heard of him before. Uh -uh. So Chris Beardsley is a, he's a full-time researcher and, um, he works with, um, uh, Brett Contreras. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Contreras. Yep. They kind of go back and forth with each other and he was kind of a, a real inspiration, a real spark for, for really kind of going down this evidence-based kind of scientific research model. So, um, I think these guys have heard me say it before, but I, I like to think that we're kind of almost like a, a product or a baby of the prehab guys and Chris Beardsley in terms of like how we how we go about our, our three posts per week model. So uh, for the most part, those have been uh, the two biggest inspirations. Um, but I would say, you know, just just our followers every week, like the fact that we continue to grow and, and people will reach out to us. I mean, we've had, you know, numerous times where, um, you know, I've, I've presented to, to both Mike and Micah questions that have been posed to us and just the fact that we have engagement interaction and, and just our followers are, are so awesome. That is kind of like a daily inspiration to keep us to kind of push forward with this whole idea. Cause you know, without them, it's, it's kind of like, you know, why, why do we even go you know, forward without them? So, yeah. And you know that and it, we're in such a, we're in such a time that, you know, 10 years ago, well, hell, whenever, however long Instagram's been around or Facebook's been around, so over 10 plus years ago, I mean, thinking about connecting with people all over the world who do what you do and love what you do and, and want to know more and learn more and share more, it was impossible, basically, you know, unless you went to their school and sought them out or went to their program and sought them out. So we're just living in an unbelievable time. And I think I've harped on that a ton on this podcast. So I'll leave all the futuristic stuff out of it. But, um, and literally, for people who are listening, 
the prehab guys. It's not like we don't know their names, but it's that's who they go by, the prehab guys. And you can check them out, theprehabguys.com. Look them up on uh, Instagram. They're you know a ton of knowledge, and um, I'm definitely gonna try to check out uh, Chris Beardsley also, and maybe uh, link his stuff too. So before I let you guys go, how about each of you just go down the line and uh, and tell the listeners just maybe to get some more traction so they can kind of, they can go in and maybe do some searching to find something that they, they're really useful. Go down and if you can name like your top favorite post maybe that, that you've made so they can kind of search that. Ooh. <laughs> On the spot. Luckily I have the page pulled up here. Let me, let me, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of content to go through. So that's all right. Yeah, no. Um, Yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, so one, I think that was really eye-opening for me um, was the pull-up uh, one that we did. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I was looking at the muscle activation of the pull-up versus like the lats, the mid-trap, and also the biceps. And we found that all three pull-up variations, whether it be your normal wide grip, your neutral grip, and your underhand grip, all the activations were pretty much the same. Granted, there was some variability within them, but there wasn't any statistically significant difference, which is something that we're always looking for in the research is that, hey, this thing is far and away better than something else. And we found that those three grips, actually, you're getting the same muscle activation, right. uh, which was eye-opening to me because, and we even actually had uh, somebody pose a question on it about how, no, you feel it here when you do this. And like, well, yeah, you may feel it there, but here's what the science is actually saying. So I think that was kind of like a, a big post for us that I think uh, people would be surprised to see the results. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think for me, um, so we have kind of like these uh, semester um, kind of weekly, like a, a week clinical rotation thing that we have to do. Um, and kind of like what Michael was saying earlier, being a consumer of our own product, Mike had done a, uh, an article, must have been about two months back, about Achilles tendinopathy. And it was extremely simple. It wasn't, you know, crazy rocket science going on here. But um, during, my, during my clinical week, I was actually able to take the research that Mike had, had done in his article and apply it to a patient that I was working with. And it was just really cool to actually take the research and put it into clinical practice and kind of see the benefits of it. Um, and, and just, again, being a true evidence-based practicing clinician and, again, like Michael was saying, being a, a consumer of our own product. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, I would have to say that my probably my favorite week or post was um, we reviewed an article called, uh, well, I guess the Wednesday post, it says, is there a relationship between shoulder dysfunction and core instability? Uh, but the Monday post before that, um, you know, we had used the words stability, instability, you know, what does this mean? And there was a really awesome, I think one of the best kind of interactions we've had um, on the page. Uh, there was an awesome discussion brought up about, you know, should we should we be using the, you know, the terms uh, stability and instability with these clients? And, you know, could this actually lead to, um, you know, apprehension towards movement of people thinking like, oh my gosh, like my, my spine is unstable, you know, like hmm. and almost catastrophizing in a way. And uh, it just really uh, kind of got us all thinking and, and, you know, really putting together um, 
very thoughtful responses and how we wanted to approach that. And, you know, cause there were really, really interesting points that were being brought up about, you know, should we call this stability? You oh, know, yeah. is this motor control or sensory motor control? And so it was just really good to kind of engage with a lot of our followers and kind of, um, you know, have different viewpoints. And, and, you know, I feel like that's where as a profession, um, whether again, it's physical therapy, strength and conditioning, whatever it may be, that that's where we get better, you know, is, is through challenging each other's viewpoints and, you know, but in a, in a respectful and a professional way. Yes. Um, and so, you know, there were great points brought up and, you know, it was funny after we had that discussion, um, you can find them like in the comments section, um, after I think it was December 26, 2016, but you know, after we had that discussion on there, I remember it was like that topic kept being brought up in class of, you know, you know, use your words wisely. And, and, and so it was kind of like, we almost had that discussion before we ever had the discussion in class. And so we were able to take so much more from that. Um, but again, I mean, that's why we love, you know, the, the feedback from our followers and, and those discussions, because I mean, it makes us better and it, you know, it makes everyone, it makes everyone, you know, driven to, you know, use their words in, in a very wide way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because you think like you're just, just putting it out there, even though you know what you're talking about, other people are going to perceive it a different way. So you're not necessarily taking a side of one stance or the other, but you really, you're really clarifying the entire issue. Right. So, I mean, that's the whole point of, of what you guys are doing in general. I mean, you're, you're clarifying these issues. So, um, yeah, that makes total sense. What else do you guys have, uh, coming down the shoot that we need to look out for? Oh, uh, that much. I, 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 I mean, we're, <laughs> that's awesome. We're just continuing to grind, you know, just trying to find articles and kind of go about, I think, like I mentioned earlier, one of my interests is uh, is blood flow restriction, and we're hoping to potentially do a collaboration with that, um, okay. with the with the prehab guys. Um, nice. So that 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 is a potential opportunity. Um, I don't know if these guys have any individual uh, topics, but um, so I know Maddie's got a whole bunch of stuff lined up. <laughs> don't let don't let him fool you. He like before we even got this thing off the ground, he had like five or six different collaborations wow. with their Instagram pages and people that are all over the internet saying, "Oh yeah, we'll do this stuff if you can help get traffic our way." And I don't think any of those have we haven't yeah we gone have, through with we, any we, of we them. Yeah, we haven't done but, any. We've we've just kind of let it grow on its own. So that's why we're kind of excited to kind of yeah. see where it goes as a product of the collaborations. Yeah. But I think we we have a couple of them already done. We're just waiting to actually send them out and put the final stamp on them. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, we're always looking for good articles. Uh, I think it's a constant search of finding something that yep. is going to be applicable to the clinician or the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and sometimes that can be a challenge uh, because you, we're, like I said, we're going with the current research. Uh, if current research isn't giving us stuff to work with, we have to kind of get more creative. Um, but yeah, I think we're in a good place right now and I think we're only going to continue to grow and everything, everyone's going to see the benefits of this project. So I know yeah. personally, I think we'd be where we're at today. Uh, I just thought this was going to be some, some little side project <laughs> about the research. Uh, cause I'm pretty uh, ignorant when it comes to the social media stuff. These, <laughs> these guys really, like pushed it forward on me and, 
every day. They give me like an update on the, the number of followers we have. So I think it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I think it's only going to explode from here. And I think one thing that, you know, I, I'd like to say is, you know, we really encourage our followers, you know, if, if you find an article that you think is interesting or whatever it may be, like, you know, shoot us a message on Instagram, you know, like contact us. Um, we would love, you know, it's like, Hey, I found this article and you know, here's my take, you know, maybe you guys would like to review this this week or, you know, whatever it may be. Like we, we want that engagement. And I know a lot of times, I mean, we, we were, we dive into different journals and, you know, a lot of times, I mean, obviously it, it takes time to, you know, find something where you hit it and you're like, Ooh, I like that. And, you know, if we had people, you know, kind of doing that on their own and sending them our way, I, I know we'd, <laughs> we would definitely be, you know, <laughs> that and being more of a, you know, a collaborative uh, type environment. And we definitely, you know, give you a shout out on Instagram and, and yeah. you know, it's definitely impossible to see all the research that's out there. Right. And I, actually been kind of cool we've had a couple of classmates approach us about wanting to to do guest posts because they've seen what we've done and really liked it um so i think that just speaks to what this has become and where it's going yeah i absolutely agree you know i feel like a lot of people feel the same way about you know the social media aspect because we see the number ticking right but it, the amount of interaction that you get compared to the number of of followers that you have maybe like a little distorted. So you're thinking, wait, like, you know, where are these people coming from? Is it really making an impact? You know, am I doing the right thing, saying the right things? Is it really worth it? But I'm telling you guys that, you know, I know people, myself included, who look at your guys's work, who read it, even if it's not like applicable to what they're doing specifically with clients or with themselves. I mean, everybody, you know, you're learning. So you're taking in this content. It's not bad. So what you guys are doing is awesome, and, and I appreciate it, and I know a lot of other people do too, so keep up the good work. And for people who do want to send you questions, comments, concerns, where is the very best place uh, to reach you? Would that be Instagram? Yeah, so they can feel free to uh, shoot us a, a direct message on Instagram, um, or they can shoot us an email at evidencebasedmovement, that's movement, M-V-M-T, at gmail.com. So those are probably the two best ways to get in touch with us. Or, I mean, just comment on one of our posts and you know, we'll get back as quickly as possible. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll link all that in the show notes, people. And if you do have any questions, comments, concerns, or something that you want discussed or checked out, um, or an article you need uh, you know, dissected, by all means, get a hold of them. So guys, I, I appreciate the time and the consideration and all the effort that you guys put into to what you do. So uh, we'll talk to you soon, guys. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. I really Thank appreciate you. you having us.